Company Watch Financial Analytics. Welcome to the ninth episode of our Company Watch Coronavirus podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. <laughs> Good morning. We're recording on Friday, the 22nd of May, and because it's such an important topic, we're going to return to the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Bill. Now, for those of you who listened to last week's episode, we spent some time discussing the key points that have been briefed out to journalists. That was around about the 11th of May. And we had really expected the bill to be published by the end of last week. And when we recorded last Friday, it was apparent that the delay was clearly due to some kind of behind the scenes wrangling. So the bill was only actually published on Wednesday of this week. Now, the main themes were as we were expecting, but there is some difference in the detail. So we thought we'd actually spend a bit more time today discussing what the final proposals are and some of the implications uh, for our listeners. So, Nick, over to you for the, for the detail. You're my detail man. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Um, right, now let's take these uh, main uh, items uh, one by one. Uh, the first, I think probably the most important uh, uh, one is this new company, moratorium procedure. Now, um, originally it was thought this would only apply to solvent companies that were struggling. What has changed since we last spoke about this is that this is now available to all companies, whether they are solvent or they're insolvent. So that is a big change. And it's just, that part is just for this period of coronavirus. Is that right for the insolvent companies? Uh, No. Oh, really? um, available long term. Wow! So that is that is quite a big that's quite a it's big a, change. It's a, it's a big change. I mean, it's actually completely logical um, because all this is is a very brief standstill, and it's not meant to run on for any length of time. It's designed to give a company the breathing space to find new investment, uh, realize assets, um, merge with another company, any number of things. Um, not to go into a formal insolvency procedure. That's right. that's the. They may still go on to a formal insolvency pr- procedure, but you just don't know that right. at this okay. stage. But again, when we spoke last time, we talked about uh, the initial moratorium being for twenty-eight days. It's been clarified in the bill. This is now twenty business days. So the bank holiday um, uh, problem has been sorted out. So okay. twenty business days initially can then be extended uh, without creditor or court say-so for another 20 business days. And in theory, that should be it. But it can be extended beyond those 40 business days, but only by the court. Okay. Okay. Um, There's some kind of oversight at that point by the court. That's right. And again, there's a temporary glitch. We need to think about this in in two chunks. This works um, long-term. You cannot go into this procedure if you have been in administration or subject to a company voluntary arrangement during the previous 12 months. Right, okay. But that is suspended, like so many other things, during this coronavirus um, uh, interlude. But in the longer term, there will be this, which is common to most insolvency procedures, you can't be a serial uh, a recidivist if, with, with insolvency, if you right. if you like. Um, I'm sorry, that's a bit detailed, but um, that's how it is. And the other point that's been clarified is that you can file um, even if there is um, a an existing winding up petition out against the company. 
oh right okay and that, so, that then puts a stop so that that pauses that existing winding up absolutely right so i thought it was worth going through what it actually means in terms of creditor enforcement Right. Absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. really, really important. And, and, and uh, so you'll have to forgive me. There's so much detail here that this is slightly more scripted than we normally are with these things. What the moratorium does is to stop any enforcement action against the debts that are owed at the point at which the moratorium starts. So it's pre-moratorium debts, but right. it doesn't prevent action to enforce payment of debts incurred during the moratorium and that includes rent interestingly oh, really? that includes rent how that will play out with the other restrictions on on, on rent uh, um, uh, landlord action i think we'll only find out when some of these clauses t- are tested in uh, in court and there's also a complication of, of quarter days as well isn't there with with rent so presumably if a rent is due on a quarter day that falls a few days before moratorium it wouldn't it's, be enforceable, but it, then at the next quarter day it would be. Gosh. Well, it says okay. rent in respect of the period of the moratorium. So I think it's actually the, the I think it's on Prorated. a per diem. Per diem. I, we'll, yeah, we'll, see. Okay. we'll see how it okay. plays out. Mm. Um, uh, and the other break on this is that no insolvency proceedings can be commenced against the company during the moratorium, um, except the directors can put the company into insolvency if it's not working out. I see. Okay. But it's, it's very similar to an administration uh, mor- moratorium. So that's that's the moratorium um, procedure. Um, and I think an excellent idea, but uh, it's for certain um, uh, suppliers, it's going to be really difficult um, because they uh, bear in mind that another provision we're coming on to talk about means they have to continue to supply during this, uh, during this period. And in fact, it's a wider supply continuity provision in this in this bill and perhaps why don't we take that one now we'll come yes, back yes good idea London. yeah yeah what the bill says is there is an existing ban on certain suppliers um stopping supplying when a company is subject to a, a, an insolvency procedure it's and those are energy companies utilities mm-hmm. utilities that sort of thing okay what this bill does at face value is to say that for all suppliers, you have to continue to supply during the period of insolvency unless you can go to court and demonstrate that it is creates a hardship for your own business. So you have to continue to supply. You cannot change the terms of the contract in any way. So you couldn't insist on upfront payment, for example, if you already agreed a credit? Nope. Uh, this is unless, they ha- unless you haven't been paid. Is that the other... The other points, so unless you haven't been paid what you're owed until a particular point. Absolutely, absolutely right. right. Um, now there is uh, going to be a temporary exemption again during the period of the uh, the coronavirus um, crisis, exempting small company suppliers. Right. Not yet defined. Um, uh, that that level of detail will emerge when people look even more uh, closely <laughs> at this. Yeah. So so what we've now got is a big extension. Of, um, uh, of the power of insolvent companies and their administrators, liquidators, whatever, to force suppliers to continue to trade with them. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a, big, it's a deal. big deal for rescuing companies. It's a big deal for suppliers who are being forced to do, uh, to, to, to do business. And I can tell you, for example, that in certain trades, um, printing is one of them, the paper suppliers would never deal with... 
um, an insolvent company or a successor company, that, but right. it, they, they may well be forced to now. It's a really interesting, um, really interesting. But these point. measures now, it's worth just pointing out these measures. Some of them have been quite rushed, rushed through in a last minute. But these moratorium procedures actually were were first published, I think, in twenty sixteen. Is that right? And consulted on consultation ended in twenty eighteen, and uh, there was wide consultation, wide responses, and the government listened to some, but not all, of the reactions from a whole range. Everybody from insolvency practitioners to trade bodies, um, and and corporate governance. Um, uh, uh, issues were covered off on, on on this as well. So it's been, some of this looks a little bit sort of creaky around the edges and right. we're going to need to see some uh, testing of this, some some precedent set in court, I right. suspect. Which again, you know, there's another issue I think we, we discussed just before we came on is that, of course, these, because it's new legislation, it's quite difficult to know how the case will, will go. And so there's not a case precedent load to, to rely on. And it's right at the time when these provisions are going to be started to be used in earnest, I guess, over the coming months. Mm-hmm. So that actually is going to be quite a lot of testing going through the courts. It's not clear how certain provisions will be applied in practice, is it? Mm-hmm. In, in, indeed, because as we're going to talk about uh, again a bit, a bit further on, if we have time, the restrictions on the issuing of statutory demands and winding up petitions contains provisions that will have to be tested in court mm. um, because they're suspended only for companies uh, where the debts are not being paid because of the impact of the virus on the uh, on, on the debtor. And, and who's going to say what's... Uh, how does one prove that? How you know, it's affected prove? every part of the economy, hasn't it? So how can you, how can you definitively prove... It's difficult. Mm, that's um, very difficult. The other major um, restructuring, if you like, um, uh, refinancing element in this bill is a thing called, surprisingly, a restructuring plan. And this is an attempt by the government to take the rather sort of arcane scheme of arrangement procedure, which, was, which is only really used by big companies in highly complex restructurings, and take that model and apply it to all restructurings of any shape or size. And what this says is that a company which is capable of being wound up, so it's any company in the UK or any company, any foreign company operating in this country, um, can propose a restructuring plan to its creditors. Right. The restructuring plan is then voted on by the creditors by class. And so different classes of bondholder, um, um, secured, unsecured um, uh, creditors. Um, And interestingly, unlike other insolvency proceedings, this plan can bind a dissenting secured creditor. Oh, really? Oh, yes. yes. Okay. And so the procedure is um, company proposes a restructuring plan Creditors vote by class. There's a 75% threshold. So to get a class uh, agreement, you need 75% by value, not by number, by value. But that's not the end of it, because having got votes, collated the whole thing, the company then goes to court and says, this is the plan, these are the votes. And if they can convince the court that the plan is viable and in the Interest of the credit, interests of the creditors, but there is a dissenting class. The court can force the dissenting class to go along with the plan. 
It's the equivalent of a chapter 11 cram down in American bankruptcy terms. So it means that you can have a class of creditor that votes against, say, a bondholder class, votes against the deal. And the court says, so long as we are convinced that you are no worse off by being forced to go along with the deal, you will go along with it. This is yes, that's going to be interesting as well. That's going to be interesting when those those cases yes um, start coming start coming up but the intention is that it's a much simpler thing than the scheme of arrangement uh, and it's available and should be used by smaller companies so again we'll see what the take up on that is because it still strikes me as being a cumbersome sort of mm. okay oh, that's interesting okay so that's the restructuring plan um we talked also last time about uh, the uh, suspension of statutory demands and winding up petitions. And this is where it gets slightly complicated because what the bill says is that any statutory demand issued between the 1st of March 2020 and the 30th of June 2020, or whatever end date the government eventually sets on this bill, <coughs> is voided. And it cannot be used as the basis for issuing a winding up petition. <clears throat> However, curiously, the ban on winding up petitions doesn't start until the 27th of April. Which is later than we thought it was going to be. Absolutely. This is another of the changes. Mm. And I don't know whether the lawyers have got at this or the draftsman or the treasury. I don't know who's got at, got at this, but this is different. So you get this really complex situation of when was the statutory demand um, served and when was the winding up petition issued and they're different dates. And there is, as I hinted just now, there is this issue, this does not apply except where the debt is not being paid because of the coronavirus. So it's wider because originally this is all about landlords, wasn't it? Really, that it was a it was a landlord using quite heavy handed, if you like. I mean, you could argue both ways. I know there's a, there's a lot of arguments about the the rights and the wrongs of this, but essentially it was trying to prevent landlords from going down the um, winding up petition route after they had been um, yeah. had a moratorium on being able to enforce. Um, so, so, so leases. But this now applies across the board um, with the with the exception of certain financial um, services <clears throat> uh, situations. Right. Basically, the answer is um, uh, these two key instruments of creditor uh, pay, uh, collection routines is uh, have gone temporarily, absolutely temporarily. So... Um, <clears throat> There we go. That's the, that's that's the, in a nutshell. And, and let's go to the, the duration. So again, at the moment, the bill says thirtieth um, of June or thirty days after the um, the bill goes through Parliament, which would be probably early July because we're in a recess at the moment. But there are provisions, are there not, for the government to be able to extend this yes. without having to go back to Parliament? Yes, yes, and 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 they'll need it because this is going to run and run. Yeah. Okay. So those are the major things. There are lots of details about um, extension of filing deadlines at Companies House, but <clears throat> I, I think, Joe, what would be good would be if we put something uh, in detail in writing um, on the website. Yes, which that's, that's the idea. Refer we'll... people to because you know I'm rambling on. There's a mass of detail. Um, if you read four lawyers' uh, interpretations of the bill published uh, in the last 24 hours, they're all different. Yeah. So we will distill all this and, and, and make it available for people to look at in much more detail. 
Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I think that, that is a good idea. I mean, it's, you've you've done an amazing job, Nick. I, I sat down with my copy of the bill um, when it came out on Wednesday, and I confess that after several several tens of pages, I started to lose um, lose the will to live. So it's very useful to to have your um, your summary of those of those points, um, and we will make that available as a as a written piece. Um, again, you know, as ever, time seems to be running against us. So. I just thought I'd, I'd try and sum up um, things, and I'm, I'm very conscious that we have not really looked at the wider picture this week of, um, of unemployment uh, figures coming out. Rishi Sunak really starting to acknowledge that we are looking at a, a different shape recession than this be. Um, and the thing that, that has struck me is that we, there's been so much talk about this danger of a second peak of the virus. But actually, I think we need to be concerned about a second peak of the economic shock. And that's the, the concern I think we've, we've talked about here is that these measures run until the 30th of June. The furlough scheme has been extended until July. And then from August, we're expecting employers to contribute. And I think the, the danger is that there was this initial shutdown and a quick shock, which the government put these measures in place to, to help manage the economy through. And I think that there is this sense that as we start to see signs of recovery, the safety net is going to be slightly pulled away and businesses are going to act as they've got a duty to do to protect their interests. And so starting to, to cut staff, we're already seeing some um, um, consultations being run about potential redundancies because of the August deadline. And I think we need to have some clarity from government about how we're going to avoid that second economic um, shock in just the same way as the second mm-hmm. virus peak um, as, as i keep saying to you joe and to other other people there's this, this horrible phrase going around at the moment uh, about the furloughed workers you know they're unemployed they just don't know it yet yeah that is and and that is a, the sad um, millions of them I mean, the, the unemployment, um, we don't know that the figures are, were a little bit sketchy, but we've had know that benefit claims rose by 865,000, so 2.1 million people claiming benefit in April. Um, and that, you know, presumably is going to get to going, keep increasing. So we will obviously carry on um, looking into these um, these details, particularly in, in the way that they're going to affect our listeners on the um, credit and supply chain side of um, side of business. Thank you again very much to Nick for for bringing your usual erudition to, um, to to the podcast, and thank you all to listening. Goodbye. See you next week. Goodbye.